Hey, welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod. This week I'm talking to my man James Porter, who is a hired gun, a session drummer, most notably has worked with 10 tons. We're going to talk about his upcoming solo EP, where he's done all the instrumentation himself. We talk about meeting your heroes. We talk about life, death, living in small towns, living in big cities. We talk about a whole range of things. Uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with James and catching up. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Thank you. Okay. James Porter, a.k.a. Colin Powers, the international man. And Hello. Ten Tons drummer, and my longtime homie. Yeah, what an intro! Thank you. That's very, very kind. <laughs> I just saw you when I was strolling up the iconic St Catherine's Hill here in Froome with the lovely Alice Pickett. We were there, weren't we? Having we coffee. There. I was. It was like a mates fest going up that hill. It's really nice that we've. Me and Alice have only just started doing that. Um, just meeting outside there, but it's. It's such a nice place to people watch and there's always a little, like several different groups there and you see people that you recognize and just say like hi or some people will stop and chat to you for a bit longer. Yeah. It's really nice. It's a nice sort of positive positive thing, isn't it? Yeah. I was almost a bit overwhelmed going up there because like (laughs) I was blowing out my ass. It's all hot outside. (laughs) And for those listening that haven't seen Catherine Hill, it's got quite an incline. Oh, yeah. And so I was like... Trying not to get here and be a sweaty mess, but I was also quite aware that um, I was running a bit late and Harry was waiting because I was caught up with a constituent who wants me to go in. Um, uh, um, they want me to go to their veg patch where they've got a compost toilet. Oh, yeah. Just made. They want me to go and open it for them. I was literally going to say, you've had to cut some... <laughs> cut some <laughs> cut some. And I said, that's fine. Yeah, I give a crap about that. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm a little <laughs> laugh. And um, so now I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go up there uh, somewhere soon and sort of sit on their toilet, I guess. And oh, get good. Taken. I should probably remain troused for that. I hope so. Um <laughs> Yeah. You look a bit. You looked a bit flustered coming up that hill. I was, it was because you know when you you know when you're entering a situation where you're like, your brain's a bit like Jason Bourne. You're like, I know this person, I know that yeah. person. I know well, you're this a man person. about time. It's the problem. A man about time. <laughs> and the thing is, you go right. I'm going to say hello to James and Alice because they're right there. You're yeah. first in the queue. Also, I'm. Gonna, I knew I was going to be seeing you in 20 minutes. Yes, yeah, so keep it short. But then there was the esteemed uh, force of nature councillor Nick Dove oh. he was also looking at me to say hello and there's other people as well and, the, and I get a bit like I don't want to be rude Yeah, I don't want to but it's a bit overwhelming isn't it Yeah, especially when you're blowing out your ass <laughs> but anyway you guys look like you're having a really nice time there you say a lovely that, chilled Saturday morning you say that's your spot that's my spot now yeah so you sort of sit on that high wall with your legs dangling over yeah, we tried it last week and thought, because there's nowhere really to sit outside. There's a few boxes outside Moon 2, um, but they're normally, there's a lot of people yeah. around there. And when you're trying to stay away from people, I guess, like I don't mind being too close to people, but you feel like you're in, in people's way, I guess. So, yeah, you want to be, yeah. yeah. We're out of the way. We can people watch. We can see everyone who makes coffees and watch people coming up the hill. 
It's nice. Yeah, it's good. I sat there the other day with a, a chap called Howard Barlow. He'd come down from Manchester. Mm. He was doing a, a a piece on the council for a thing called the the new issue. It's like an offshoot of the big issue. Mm. And we were sat on a bench. It's outside, just just behind where you were sat, where the um, they do the stitching and the yeah. sewing. I can't remember the Mills and Booms. So bad with names. But that's a publisher. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we were people watching for a while. And we had a nice little drink and stuff. And it, yeah, moving to attract some real, uh, actually some real cool people. Just a, a massive eclectic group of people, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice. So what happens if if you go back there next week and it's your that's your spot and there's two people that look just like you guys sat there? If there's people there, <laughs> we'll turn around. Right, we'll turn around and give it up. Right, we'll we'll have to give it up. We might hover for a bit, see if they see if they they shift or maybe sit as close as possible to them <laughs> maybe like 99 centimeters away from them <laughs> see if they relinquish yeah break spot. some rules and <laughs> we're gonna break some rules on these guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bioterrorism isn't it? <laughs> yeah okay so okay drummer 10 tons yeah arenas festivals hanging with the rock stars of all rock stars how do we get into this? Where do we begin with you? Started a long time ago. It starts about, I think, like four years ago. I'd just been in, I'd just been in uni. Yeah. It's it's like, it's always right place, right time stuff. I think that's that's the what life is, what life is actually like. You don't, you can plan for so many things, but it just kind of depends where you are in a certain situation. And I was stepping for someone at a um at a uni showcase so i wasn't even supposed to be playing this uni showcase debt for someone and um they um subsequently there was a musical director who was waiting there to try and um find people for this new artist which is 10 tons if i hadn't been depping for that person he wouldn't have seen me right and then wouldn't have asked me to come to this audition and then it, it is crazy how the yeah um, yeah exactly the chips fall. Well, and from the, if if I hadn't have had that time, then I wouldn't have done any of this stuff, and I potentially wouldn't have got into session work. I probably I, I don't know maybe I wouldn't have been picked up by anyone at all. Um, so there's so many different factors. Your life goes in so many different ways, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it's so, and then when you you go back and you analyze it, yeah, it's always it's always like teetering on one very small yeah yeah thing i nearly said because it was all the the debt gig was loads of electronics which i'd never really done before was working with an sbdsx which is the sample pad right never done it before um using ableton which i didn't know how to use um and the guy who i was depping for said i'll sort that all out please just do it and i was a bit like oh i know other people that could do it probably better than me yeah and so i nearly passed it on yeah but if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have been there i wouldn't have done any of that stuff and i wouldn't have got the gig yeah in the at the end of the day it's a real happy accident a massive happy accident <laughs> yeah so why did you do it did you go no you you're uh you, you know um i started i got into the habit when i was in second year of uni that was when i got asked to do it um started getting in the habit of just saying yes to anything that that came along right but I kind of 
towards the end of that year, I started to get a bit more anxious as a person. So more and more, I was kind of doubting myself on what I could do and what I, what I was able to do. It was probably one of my housemates that said, no, you should just do it. You can definitely do it. Yeah. And I think I asked one of my mates, like being like, do you want to do this gig? Like, I don't think it's really the right thing for me. And he was busy. Right. And I think at that point, I was just like, okay. I've tried to get out of it as much as possible, but now I just have to do it. Just get on with it, James. Just, just do yeah. it. Um, and it's, it's sometimes you do, you do just need that, that one person that isn't inside your head who you trust mm. to give you the right yeah. information, the right answer Yeah, yeah. Um, to just kick you up the ass. And one of, one of my housemates at the time, he's one of my best mates, a guy called Rye, Rye Milligan, um, he was probably the person that forced me into doing it, was saying like, you can meet some more people, like meet some new people, play a style of music that you haven't played before. And like in the grand scheme of things, I just did this one song at a showcase. It was at Kentish Town Forum in London. Um, showcase for my uni, it was one song, a few rehearsals. We did that and then I never played with these guys again. Right. But that was the gateway, like reason as yeah. to where I went from there. So yeah. what uni were you at? BIM London. Ooh. Which is, I think it originally, there's a lot of BIMs around around the UK and in there's one in Berlin now oh. as well. So it's branched out. The original one was in Brighton, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and then it went to Manchester. There's one in Dublin. There's one in Birmingham. Um, but the one in London was originally Tech Music School. Um, and it used to be... I think it was like the the place to go for like pop pop music and it was based in Acton. Um place to go for like pop music and playing like drums, bass, guitar. If you wanted to if you said you went to tech, yeah. You were big. Okay. Um you know Ash Soan? Who? Ash Soan. He play oh, he's no. a he's a drummer. Um oh you'll know him on Instagram. He's got win the windmill studios. No? No. Well, this is shit. Oh, are we swearing on here? Are we okay? Yeah, you can swear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he went to tech um, back in the day, like it started up in, in the 80s, I think. But it got taken over by BIM. And when I started, it had just been taken over by BIM. So there's a lot of like money being poured into it. Yeah. Um, a lot more students going there. So the kind of the competition got a little bit higher and it kind of changed a little bit. But that's where I went. And I'm happy I went there you can't look back and think like what if I didn't go there because your life would be so different if you went to a different place it would just it would be completely be kicking different. around your hometown possibly yeah which um, isn't a bad hometown but well I'm back now and I'm happy to be back yeah that's um, nice yeah some people never want to return do they I think when you when you're 18 yes you, you want to see the world you want to you not even just see a different city or a different town just yeah. live somewhere else don't live with your parents and um individuating yeah that's what you're doing um and i think a lot of people from like a small town like this will feel like that um but then as you get older i'm not that much older it's only been like six years six or seven years but i've come back now and i appreciate i appreciate the fact that we've got Catherine Hill and it's a really bubbly place and I yeah. like to go and sit there every Saturday and have a coffee and um 
I think it's nice to come back and reevaluate like, oh, this is a nice place. It is. It was a nice place to grow up. It's just when I got to 18, I needed something different. So the grass is greener, isn't it? <coughs> Definitely. Going? Yeah. When we did our uh, US tour, mm. when I come home, I appreciated this town. Yeah. Way more than I did before. I didn't hate it. I've, I've never really truly subscribed to that. Like, oh, can't we get out of here? This place is shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, I see so many people just saying that. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. So ignorant. Maybe you just need to like expose yourself to a bit more. I think the coming back to Froome is the the small town nature of it. I didn't realize how I how much I liked walking through town when when it's quite quiet. Um, and someone saying morning. Yeah, I, I expect London is so different to that. Yeah, everyone. No one says that. You get on the tube and everyone makes an effort to look down into their laps and not look at you at all it's i, I find yeah. that so strange that we're such social creatures we're mm. sort of tribal by nature yeah and in tubes and buses and things like that are i mean you look at a guy that's talking to someone he doesn't know he sat next to on the bus for the whole journey mm. and a lot of people look at him like oh you weirdo <laughs> Isn't that mad? Do you know, so when I think it depends, I think London's a bit of a, a bit of an exception. Maybe the UK is an exception. I think we're very um, we're very British and like like our own space, and we don't like to intrude on other people. Like a vast majority of us don't like that. When I went to New York, I went to New York um, at the start of the year, and we got on the subway, and people are like, people warn you like some pretty fucking crazy people in new york man like go careful and i sat down on the tube and straight on on the subway and someone immediately started talking to us and as the british person that is used to the tube i was like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) what's he gonna do what's what's this guy gonna do (laughs) and he literally was just like you've been to new york before i was like no he could tell and and he was like, this all is all the you. stuff you want to do. Like, do you want to... Um, and he, like, started talking to me about some stuff. I put a little bit of tape on my suitcase to, like, mark that it was mine. And he told me something about um, Jamaican um, tribe symbols that re- resembled the, the the piece of tape that I'd put on on my... I can't remember the story, but it's something right. like... He was like, do you know what, like... Do you know that's a good thing that you've put that piece of green tape on your on your suitcase? <laughs> and apparently it's something that um Jamaican culture, um the culture in Jamaica, they'd put like a green stripe to show that you were um that you were powerful and you were you could defend yourself or something like that. Um so if anyone tried to fuck with your suitcase, yeah. they wouldn't. Like they wouldn't fuck with your suitcase because I got this this green stripe. It's obviously bullshit because right. I'm a like a weedy little white kid that could not do any any harm at all. Um, I don't know, I've seen you drum. Oh, well, then maybe. But if you I, had a drumstick, yeah, yeah, my arms are like drumsticks anyway. They're like twigs, so I still couldn't do anything. <laughs> but the the fact is, is he he just wanted to have a nice conversation. Yeah, and once you'd broken that, you started having more conversations with with people from there. So New York is is completely different. It's the yeah. same kind of city, like businessy, like bustling, um, sightseeing city, yeah. but completely different in people. New Yorkers are 
so much more outgoing than than London is. Well, it's, it's sort of one of the most densely populated places on the planet, isn't mm. it? Everyone's sort of on top of each other, and there's so many cultures in yeah. New York City. And I guess it's one of those things where it's it's like you, you know you have to do that, or you're going to go mad, aren't you? You yeah. have to be amicable and and you have to make an effort and you have to be open and friendly because people are just shoulder to shoulder with you all the time. But that's why I think I'd, I'm pretty much done with London. Right. Because it's that atmosphere. It's that... It's a selfish place. It's a, it's a, yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, it depends what kind of circles you're in, I guess. But I find myself in in a circle that I just find myself like fending for myself. And like I had a few different friendship groups, but... I didn't, I found myself not being very outgoing. Right. Whereas. Would you feel, did you feel your personality? Cause you've got, a, you, you've got a great personality. You, you are outgoing, but you've, did you feel like you were around so many people that were so like, wah, that you were almost like sort of Reserved. drawn into yeah. yourself. Yeah, 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 definitely. Since I've been back in Froome, yeah. I felt myself have way more confidence. Yeah. Like, because the people make you, people here make you feel like you can be like that it's not so um it's not so aggressive like the there's not so many people do trying to do the same thing like there's you you go to a gig in london yeah. and you know that there's so many people aspiring to do the same thing yeah and are they there for the music or are they there to be seen to be there yeah i you know I, I mean it's um, and are they judging you and bringing you into their their scene and their circles based on your musical ability? It's all just a, like it can feel a bit standoffish. I don't know whether that's like you could talk to someone else who's who doesn't have like the same anxieties that I do, and they will um, and they will say a di completely different story. Right. But when I go to places, I feel like I'm being like watched. I right. feel like people like might be judging me. Yeah. Um, if I go and like, if I think like, oh, maybe I'll go and talk to that guy. Like maybe he's um, like a band's been on. Maybe I'll go and talk to that guy, see who the musical director is and see if I can get like, get in. Or but the first thing that will come to my head after that will be like, probably doesn't want to talk to me, probably got enough things to do. Nah, no, nah, we don't need to do that. <laughs> and then avoid it. Like, and that's what I, I got myself into the habit of doing yeah. that in a very like, self-destructive way yeah. and i think that's just because i felt so much pressure of being in that city being in london yeah that i just kind of shut myself off from it right so coming back here has made me think no i i can do all of these things yeah um regain some confidence maybe i'll go back maybe i won't right now there's not really much point in spending shit loads of money on rent yeah. to be in a place where there's not really any gigs happening yeah um I suppose there's a there's a com, uh, there's a, like a competitive nature, isn't there, to being in the London music scene? Well, everyone goes to London to because you, it's the place to right. be. It's like everyone moved to LA in the eighties. Yeah, um, and it's it's strange. You, you say stuff like, "Oh, I'm going to talk to the musical director." Do you know what I mean like mm. I've I've played London a bunch of times? Oh, you, you, and, it's in different scenes, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a completely different scene there's no there is no musical directors no 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 no, not at all. no. <laughs> imagine if there was you know and you just the, the he'd get told to shut the fuck up all the time yeah wouldn't he? yeah um being accused of selling out or something but like yeah so i don't know i've, done, I've not got an awful lot of experience in in that realm though i understand it i get it 
Yeah. But I haven't re really been in a position myself where I've been like, oh, I need to go in there. You know. Well, you just go and talk to talk to different bands. It's networking, isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's it's networking, but I think in in the punk and rock scene, you're networking. I feel like you network more to just make some pals with who you're there at the show with. Yeah. Whereas in the um, in the pop scene, there is that competitive nature. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Is I haven't it, I haven't done it for long enough to right. know if it's just me that thinks this way. Okay. But now, do you think this is a sort of collective, like sort of almost like a not on your part, but like a narcissism? Do you think that the pop, more commercial music industry world is driven way more by um, the need to be something and someone and in social status than it is in like the punk rock world? Well, I think I think social media has probably made it more that way for for new like newer artists coming up because you can they see like say Billie Eilish get two million likes on on an instagram post or something and they'll be like oh that to them that's proof that she's like she's made it um and i think then if you if you try and like want to achieve that that's what you're that's what you're looking to achieve not just to write some cool songs or or whatever like you're you're trying people are trying to achieve the wrong things in the music industry now there's a there's a different side of it the social media thing is a different side to it and that is a bit of a narcissistic thing mm. um but i wouldn't say i don't know I've, i'm definitely guilty of of having like narcissistic traits at some point right i, I think, think everyone if, is if you if you're you in the are. music industry right if you're someone who creates art you probably yeah. have to be a bit narcissistic just have the confidence to get on on stage and see look at look at me right if look you, at what i do i'm if you great get off on getting on stage yeah you're you're a, you're a bit yeah it has to be um it has to be but i think that's the there's a fine line before you go too far yeah um i think it's when it starts affecting your relationships with people mm -hmm. you know yeah uh that's when it's i mean it's uh, there's there's limits, aren't there, to wanting to be something, be someone, or, or be uh, respected, looked up to, admired. Mm. Those, those are all things that you can strive for and it not make you a total douchebag. Yeah. Um, but then also, if you do manage to achieve those things, it's then how you carry it, isn't it? Yeah. So that old saying is that it's um, nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. <laughs> hey. hey. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, okay. So tell me how you're, because you're a rock drummer. Mm -hmm. You're like a thoroughbred rock drummer, right? Yeah. How does that translate into this pop world? How do you end up playing for 10 tons? Who's a bit of an indie icon, isn't he? Yeah. Um, is it he or they? He. He. It's a he, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not a. He's not, ten tons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how does your your rock sensibilities? Because we share a hero in Dave Grohl. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We both drum like we're going to put our sticks through the skins, through yeah. the heads. And so, how do you? Because I've gone down the, the the dirty underground, smash up your, you know, I've got 15 inch hi-hats for poles in. And sure, yeah, out. yeah. You've gone 
for this sort of Reading Festival, you know, uh, indie pop sensation. But it uh, does... It, the same style, essentially. There's, there's crossovers. And I think the reason I got the gig, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just just lucky. But I feel that the reason I got the gig is from taking on how, like, Dave Grohl plays. He never, like, he has his, his chance to go to play some mad fills yeah. and and let rip. But really, a lot of the time, he just holds down groove, doesn't he? Yeah. And he just lays, yeah, he just lays down the backbeat and that's great. And I think I learned that at quite an early stage. So luckily, when I did this audition, that's all I did. And yeah. I heard, I was talking to Ethan like um, about it and there were some people that, that played like overplayed loads. And, and Ethan is 10 tons. Ethan is 10 tons, right, yeah. yeah. There's some people that overplayed, some people that didn't overplay. And at the end of the day, I guess it's just who works well in the room. And then um, if you get on with them, we had to, we went for a drink with him after. Um, and if we got on all well together, then there's no reason why it can't work. Hangability. Um, yeah. But we, I, I think Ethan's music is definitely, definitely like rock inspired. He's into like Foo Fighters as well. And and Nirvana, he likes like old rock, but is also into um, like Bob Dylan and Dire Straits, um, Van Morrison, like all like the old greats as well. Mm. Um, but the way he writes, he definitely writes like energetic, um, like indie rock songs. Yeah. So as soon as like I get given a song like that, I think that like, how is this going to translate on stage? Mm. Um, and you play big stages as well. Yeah. So that so being a powerhouse, hard hitting um, drummer in a in a big festival environment or in an arena, which you, you have you have to be quite animated, I think, yeah. in those in those big spaces. Because if you aren't, if you just play quite timidly, like if, as if you were gonna gonna play in like a in a in a like a radio session or something, it's not going to come across. You have to be. Um, you have to be quite, quite energetic with it. And we, I guess we were quite lucky to, really lucky to have been put on these like arena things fairly early. Into, yeah, that felt very quick. It was, yeah. We got, the first gig I did with Ethan was, um, was BBC Introducing, Reading and Leeds. And so that was, that was like, I've always wanted to play Reading. Since mm. I went, we, first time I went to Reading was, when I was with you, yeah, actually in 2013, and it was Green Day, Eminem, and Biffy. Biffy. And on Sunday, on the Sunday, massive mates fest, and we all went to like the middle barrier just in front of the sand desk, and we watched Biffy. And you said, I remember you like <laughs> saying, I think I just watched a bit of history there. Yeah, and I cried the whole you way through the gig. That was at my first reading, and I thought it was just. It was that was the best. That so I thought if, if I can ever play Reading, that would be amazing. So being told that I was going to play BBC introducing Reading, we we were all so so excited. We like didn't think that this that kind of thing would happen so early. Um, and I did it. It was yeah. great. And then we went back to doing these like small club shows, a few little support tours and stuff. Another year goes past, and we do like a few more support shows, like a few small headline shows. We did 
the main stage at Boardmasters. We I think we opened the main stage at Boardmasters the next year, but it was quite intermittent. All the gigs were quite intermittent. Right. And then the year after that, so we'd had about a year to like get tight as as a unit. Mm. The year after that, we got told that we were doing the Rap Boy Support Tour in starting in January, which was academy sized venue finishing with Brixton Academy, which is <laughs> like my <laughs> I, I read it's the one, isn't it? I got I got told I was, I've always that's my like favorite venue in the world. Right. I got told that I was going to get to that open. sloping floor. Yeah, and it was it was the best. Yeah, it's probably one of the best gigs I've ever played. Right. But it, so but rewind. I got told I was doing that. About a week later, we got told that we were going to be supporting Stereophonics on their arena tour with two nights at Wembley. You get told this, you don't get asked. Well, we, I, <laughs> you can tell me to do that. That's the, fine, um, I'll do that. the arena, the arena one I did, we got an email saying like, are you available for these dates? I think they, yes. Well, yeah, obviously I'm yes, we are. available. Even if I wasn't available, I'd be, I'd be free to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to pass that kind of Name stuff me up. Any, any wedding, birthday, <laughs> funeral do you know what i'm not there i'm on the arena show i'm doing it funnily enough my not funnily enough this is dark as fuck um whilst i was on the whilst i was on the rap boy tour one of my best mates died mid tour i was in dublin he passed away he'd been in a coma for about four weeks now and so it was touch and go he dies whilst I'm in, I'm on tour, I'm going to be on tour for another week. Then it's organizing the funeral, which is probably going to be during the Stereophonics tour. I had to play Birmingham Arena, mm. which is like 15,000 people or something like that. It's probably the biggest room that, aside from the O2 or Manchester Arena, it's one of the biggest. Mm. Play Birmingham, the day after his funeral. <laughs> and then the night before the, his funeral, we played Brighton Arena. So you were at the funeral? I went to the funeral. So you sandwiched it? On my day off, yeah. But you're a good friend. A bloody good friend. And a better drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was tough. But it was like, it, it, like, you just, you try and fit things in. And I thought, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously going to try and do all yeah. the gigs, but. And it's one of those things that it's like, if you didn't do that, um, selfishly, you'd probably feel really bad about it the next day. But you also think like, and what and would he want me to do? What would he, what would he have wanted yeah. me to do? He'd probably have wanted me to be like, nah, screw it, man. Don't come to my funeral. You've seen me enough. Like, doesn't matter. Do the arena. But I'd well, luckily, I'm going to put this out now on, on record. If I die in any of my friends, have arena or stadium yeah. shows and it means a lot to them. Um, don't be selfish. Come to my funeral, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, go rock out. Do it. Do it. Yeah. I'd but, wear, I'd wear like, if you died and I was going to be play like Wembley Stadium or something like that, yeah. I'd wear... Little black armband, AW on it. Yeah, something like that. <gasps> Maybe. Thanks, That's really tough. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> What's your favourite drink? Well, I don't know what your favourite drink is. I don't know. I don't know what my favourite drink is. Or like alcoholic beverage. Yeah, yeah. It's probably like, I don't know, I'm really into vermouth at the moment. Interesting. Which is, which is really trash. So I'd have a little, little, bit, of, in little bit of vermouth 
for the last song or something. I don't drink before I play. I don't drink whilst I'm playing. So no, I do, well, I do. I've got a two pint limit before okay. I play. Yeah, and and I've rarely even got that far. Really, mm. it's difficult when you're headlining. Yeah, because you'll wait all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, as soon as you're done, it's sweaty pack down and time to go home. Yeah, because usually you're away from home. Mm. Um, so it's, I, don't, I don't drink an awful lot on tour. Actually, I haven't, I haven't really got that crazy on tour in terms of drinking. No, ever because it's always been such a, a bit DIY. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if we had managers and tour managers and people driving, you're always us trying to stuff, do everything yourself. Yeah, then. You, you know, we've definitely kicked back, mm. but there's always like America, for example, I thought was going to be the party of all parties, and it wasn't. It's actually just more driving. You, you don't want to be drunk it. on a five-hour <laughs> no drive, or hungover, or hungover on a, a five-hour drive. Mm. We did a we did a North Carolina, and we had a few beers and starting to get a little loose, and then it was like, right, we got to go. We got to go to where we're sleeping. Yeah, one o'clock, packed down. <laughs> We had to shake down the promoter to get paid in the in the car park. <laughs> I had to use my my stature to yeah, myself, yeah. you know, squeeze the money physique. out. He was giving us the old um he's giving us some excuse. Uh so we had to do that. And then um and then I got in the in the wagon and I was like, right, where are we sleeping? And used to being in England where it's like twenty minutes down the road yeah. in someone's student house or something. He was like, "Oh, we're in, we're going to Georgia." Just <laughs> <laughs> five hours away. No, it was one in the morning. I was like, "What?" So I'll just get to, to bed sleep. at seven. <laughs> just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. And it's not pleasant sleeping in a van. It's not pleasant. It didn't sleep in the van. I was shotgun in the passenger. Oh. And it was my job to keep the driver to keep awake. awake. Yeah, and provide stimulating experiences, which I failed at. It was really way. hard. It is. It is I mean, really you, hard. You, it's all right for about an hour. Right. But then... I, I've got this crazy memory that I'll never forget. I'm looking to my left because um, it's the drivers are on the left in America. Mm. Looking to my left, I'm looking at Austin Moore from Dive Bomb, who's the guys that took us out. And his eyes, he's just blinking oh, like no. a lot. And his eyes are red. And Atlanta is behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 5 a.m. and everyone is asleep. And it's just me and him. And every 10 minutes, he'll like crack the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a blast of air, reach for a camel blue, <laughs> spark it up. And that's literally it. And yeah. I would join him. I would join him. Yeah. I was, I was smoking like a trooper. Just, just, just stay awake. Just so, and he'd have the cruise control on. So it wasn't even like he had that much to do. He just, but ideally, just you, you probably want some things to do to keep yourself a bit more like concentrated right and everyone's asleep so it's not like we could have uh the music on loud and yeah yeah because usually what what we would do um if we in in england and we're driving back um we'll put michael bolton on really loud (laughs) coming back from sheffield (laughs) we make love i got like a hooch on and then you know phil collins Something to come on, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Tell me about touring then. For, so you've done the fun- you've got the funeral thing done. Yeah. D- did some like so? Did did that hit you after that? Because you're in a huge bubble, I guess, for that experience, aren't you? We had it's just the biggest deal, isn't it? When my my friend Will, 
Will Akers, he was, I was lucky to live with him actually. I met him at uni and I was lucky to live with him for about four months. He was my housemate at the time when, when he passed away. Um, he had a disease called pulmonary hypertension, which is, which affects the heart. Basically it makes your heart cut has to pump really, really quickly to get blood around, oxygenated blood around your body. Um, and so his heart was just, just packing in. He had a heart and lung transplant and that was what he was in the coma for and obviously just didn't just didn't recover from it so he that happened whilst i was on tour and i got told we were in wagamamas actually oh. we we just played like we played one show and it was brilliant we at barrowlands in glasgow which is just like such a sick venue um and then we'd gone to dublin or maybe Maybe it was Belfast. It's one of the two. It was a night before we were about to play a show and I got told. Ethan was really, really nice. He was like, if you don't want to do the show show tomorrow, you don't have to. Like, don't worry about it. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Um, but obviously it was, it was a pretty hard tour to get through. Like trying to, I knew I had to, I knew he wouldn't have wanted me to just sack off the tour. So I, I had to do it. But everyone around me was like really, really supportive. Um, it was, yeah, it was really only when I got home when we yeah. got back to London. Brixton was the last show, yeah. And I got to see like my mates. It became real. It became real. I yeah. went back to my flat after that. It was the best and saddest night of my life because I would. He was gonna be. He was really excited to come to that show. Uh, so we were like, yeah. I was really really happy to be there and really excited. But I remembered like finishing sign check and like looking out on Brixton being like, well, I technically now have played Brixton yeah. doing the sign check, even though it was really short and rushed. Yeah. It kind of all came over me and I had a little bit of a, like, had a bit of a cry and yeah. was just really happy that I'd been there. Yeah. Played the show, saw my mates afterwards, hugged. And then I had about two weeks then before we were about to go on to the Stereophonics tour to kind of process things and, yeah. and like, did you play for him that night? Did you feel there was there was a yeah. little extra fire in there? Yeah, some the I can't remember. It's such a blur. Right, it's that like so much adrenaline, so many thoughts, so much adrenaline. And a lot yeah. of it's muscle memory, isn't it? By that point, yeah. like you've been on tour for like two weeks there. Everything you just do, you're not you're not thinking about yeah. what you're playing at all. Just do it. Um, the crowds were amazing. They're all like all really like young kids. Like you've probably played you've played to mad crowds as well. Like yeah. when they when they give give you a good show, when the when the crowd get really into it, like it's yeah. a complete interaction. It's like a symbiotic relationship. If they're if they're going crazy, you go crazy, and yeah. and it all just it clicks. It all works. And I drum faster. <laughs> yeah, I get told to slow down, and I've been told to slow down as well. That's I mean, not not great on my Dude, part. I get that. It's fine. But I've I've had Ethan turn around to me before and be like, "Dude, you." Like we you played it we played a show, like his headline shows really, like when the crowd are going mental. Yeah. He's turned around to me before, like, just chill out. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm so so sorry. I should be really professional and like yeah. know how to stay in. You. Used to be you still just get excited and it's yeah. it's still something that I need to work on is just like controlling my adrenaline. Absolutely. Um, me too. Yeah. Me too. Cause there's times well, I I remember um um there's a song we've got called Bad Way. Mm. and i would be playing that we played a show it's a strange show we played a show in germany in a place called um 
no, it's escaped me. It's lost <laughs> me. But it was a, it was a benefit for Sri Lankan street dogs of all place of all things. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember where it was in Germany. Don't I forgot now. Anyway, but I thought we were headlining that one, and I thought that I and I was really conscious about not going. Da, 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 you know, because um, it's a strange one. Because it's a hardcore punk, so it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choppy and fast, and but it's also not meant to be. It's got to be listenable. A headline set actually, last yeah, twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. But and and I thought I'd done really well, and I was and I was really like trying to pay attention the whole way through, and I was mm. thinking, yeah, I've got this, I've got the pocket. Best this is best gig of your life. This is good. <laughs> and then uh, and then I watched some footage back because they were all like dude it's too fast man and i was like nah bullshit and i was like nah <laughs> how is that too fast that was great i was that was bang on You're and then so, i saw some so footage confident. And, yeah yeah and i saw some footage and it was like bad way i was like <laughs> and i was like oh my god your perception yeah relative yeah it's so it must be the adrenaline. It and must the, be a the primal tricky, thing. The tricky things, like when you're about to go into a fill as well, that's the one of the hardest <laughs> things. Is when you're when you're just laying down groove. Yeah, that can you can get into that. Yeah, but it's the short little moments when you're it's the burst about to do like a fill. You're just going to run around the toms, even if it's not even if it's not tricky. It's just different. Yeah. you get excited about a change, yeah. and you're like, and you're. You do that and you think like when, when you do it, time kind of slows down and you're like, ah, oh, that's fine. Like I nailed that, absolutely smashed that. <laughs> Go and watch some footage back later and you're like, what? How? <laughs> Take some ecstasy for that one little moment or something? Like I'm racing. Because <laughs> I think it's, it's anticipation. Because mm. you're doing it and you're like, oh, this is so good. I'm in the pocket. Mm. This is great. I'm feeling this. That girl over there, she's loving it. <laughs> and you're like, here it is. Here's the... It's just, uh, it's, 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 it's wild. Yeah. Talking of Dave Grohl. Um, Talking. <laughs> Talking of him. Tell, tell me about some of the people you've met along the way. I know you have a great Dave Grohl story. I do have a great... It's itching to hear it. Let's go then. It's not... Andy is um, making it sound like it's a great Dave Grohl story. It's a bit embarrassing, <laughs> if anything. That makes it a great Dave that Grohl story. That makes it a really great book. one. We were playing... Me and Andy, like... We, Dave Grohl's our, our hero. He's the dude. He's the dude. He's he's the best. Nicest man in rock and roll. You, yeah. you'd, anyone would savour the moment to meet him. And... Really like, really take everything that you could from meeting him, but not me, not, <laughs> not, not me. Um, we were playing a show in Germany, and we it was a it was a festival. Foo Fighters headlining that night. We were on around about like three or something like that, and we go get taken to our dressing room, and all of when you go to your dressing rooms, everyone's got their names on their dressing rooms. Oh, get you. Get you. <laughs> Not well, get you until you walk to your dressing room and look a meter next to your dressing room is Foo Fighters' dressing room. You're, we're next to Foo Fighters' dressing right. room, which is, you're like, well, fuck, Dave Grohl's just on the other side of that wall. 
I mean, he's, he's probably around. He might not be there right now, but at some point he's going to walk through You'll that door. you breathe the same air. Yeah. Um, that immediately gives you like, oh my God, Dave Grohl's like, I've never been so close to Dave Grohl before. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do about this? Is it like, like a strange panic? It definitely is a strange panic. And then all of the thoughts, especially if you have anxiety, think about what is my rest of the day going to, what is the rest of my day going to be like? What, am I going to meet Dave Grohl? If I meet Dave Grohl, am I going to say anything to him? If I say anything to him, what am I going to say to him? And you think about so many things yeah. in this split second. Because, could, and he's like, because he's, he's such an important yeah. musician in, in both our lives. It just, there's something about what he does on those drums that speak to us in a very strange, natural way. Yeah. I can't describe it. It's just what he does just translates within my brain yeah. on the sweetest, yeah, yeah. The sweetest Anything note. that he does, whether he's playing drums or he's singing or he's playing guitar or whether he's doing whatever. Yeah. He's producing, if he's making a film, anything just... Just works. Just works. There's something about Grohl. Yeah. 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 There's an affinity, I guess, with what he does. And he's within 100 meters of me. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know where he is, but he is. And then That's the worst bit, isn't yeah. it? He's here somewhere. I know, I know he's about. <laughs> and then we're, we're in catering and we're eating some food. Pat Smear walks past catering and we're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, we play the show. Don't Haven't seen Dave Grohl yet. The show's good. Um, and we go back to the dressing room. Do you almost start to relax into it? A little You're bit. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he's probably just not even around now. And Yeah, I mean, like maybe, yeah, genuinely he might still just be at the hotel. They're probably, well, most of them probably still are at the hotel. Like, or maybe they're on the bus or something. Like maybe they're, they'll obviously have like a massive complex of a dressing room with loads of different rooms. They've got, they always have a jam room as well. Right. Which I'll get to later. The moment of hearing Dave Grohl actually play drums next to you. Like you didn't tell me this. Did I? <laughs> I haven't heard this bit. <laughs> we're we're waiting. We're waiting in our dressing room, just drinking, like chilling out after the show. How did that show go? Fine. It's a just bl- like any other it, and like any other show, like any other festival show, just fine. Yeah. Like it was, it was good. Um, it's weird when like playing a show in in Germany or like when not so many people will know Ethan's music as they, as they would like if we played a show at Reading and Leeds. Like, that's always a guarantee to be a good show. But it's going over to Germany. You don't know how many people, like how they're going to react. It's, it's interesting. Definitely Germans interesting. are a good crowd. Yeah. Europe in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have no problem with just like, like getting when, when we did When we did a headline, headline tour there, it was really good because people like... Germans just really, really did. Generally, actually, Europe is quite, it was quite well received, actually. Yeah. I feel like Europeans are just a bit more... Open. Yeah. Yeah. And a bit more outgoing. Mm. Whereas... Yeah, everyone's here, everyone here is a bit too concerned with how cool they look. Exactly. Especially when you get, go, go, <laughs> go to London. Get, yeah, yeah. You go to London. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into a mosh pit. I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. Someone else will do that for me. Yeah. Someone else will get in the mosh pit. Sort, sort this gig out. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, you go to Germany and people, they, they applaud louder. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they don't like go crazy at the show, they'll, they'll, like, they'll whoop and applaud yeah. louder a lot more. They're appreciative. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're sitting in our dressing room thinking, getting close to the show, 
Dave's probably in the building now, probably. And then we hear someone start to play drums in the jam room. And you and I, and, and so many people yeah. in this world, if you hear someone play drums and it's Dave Grohl, even if you can't see him, yeah. you know yeah. that Dave Grohl's playing drums. And we would literally just sat there and he was, he was just... What was he playing? Was he just... He's just playing, just, just, Dave, just Dave Grohl beats. Right, okay. Dave Grohl beats. Absolutely lord doing doing all of those like Bonham things yeah. and all the triplet stuff. Like that's one of my favorite. I think that's part of my favorite uh, things with with Dave Grohl is those triplet beats. Yeah, and the like the flams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap them, clap them. Those just like, they're so signature to him, aren't they? You always yeah. know that 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 is him playing. So I thought, right, okay, well he's he's next to us. That's very very cool. Because the jam room was like really close to the front. Yeah. And then we're sitting in the dressing room, door open, like just in case he walks out so we can see. I'm like sitting there, like my eyes, my eyes on, on the door waiting for him. Yeah. And then he does walk out. Right. And he just, it's a brief, like, just split second yeah. as he walks past the door. And we're all like, oh my God, he is actually here. I cannot believe it. And at that point, that's when your adrenaline just goes mental. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. What do we do? Well, we're going to go and follow Dave Grohl, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> As probably did everyone else. Like yeah. everyone else who saw him would have, would have done that. And um, he went outside. We went outside. It was a Jaeger bar outside. Um, to which he was like standing around. Some people were asking him for photos and we were kind of just, we thought we're not going to be those guys who just go up to him and ask for photos. We're just going to call for that. We're just going to stand around and hope that it, that it works out, I guess. Hope that he just meanders into our circles. Me and Ethan, like really big, really big Foo Fighters and Nirvana fans. Um, we were probably the most nervous about meeting or like being in his presence. Sounds like he's a god. He is a god. Um, yeah, a little bit. Sam, the bassist, one of my best mates, isn't massively fussed about it, really. Can appreciate that, like, who Dave Grohl is, but just wouldn't, just wasn't really bothered. Yeah. He's a, Sam goes to the Jaeger stand to get some shots. Yeah. It's free, free Jaeger, get some free Jaeger shots. Dave then goes up to the Jaeger stand to also get some shots and just puts his arm around Sam. And we're, me and Ethan are standing there like, how has he done this? What is he? <laughs> Sam didn't even recognize that it was Dave Grohl right. that was doing it. They're having a chat and me and Ethan are like, how's he done that? What's he doing? How's, how is he talking what, to Dave what Grohl? What energy is he Yeah, what, what, why can't I do that? Why am I not doing that? Yeah, yeah. You look at me like, you don't even appreciate this moment. You're undeserving of this yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. I want to be in your place right now. And thinking jealousy, like, oh, that. man, what are we going to, like, do you think now maybe there's a time that he's going to turn around and be in our group and lo and behold he does come around Sam brings us over some shots and then at that moment then Dave and me are pretty much face to face and Dave says then something I'll never live it down Dave then says something about Jaeger being really good to for your for your throat and he, right. he's like um someone said I think someone like says like um do you like having a shot, a shot of Jaeger before stage? And Dave's like, yeah, man, it's like really fucking good for your voice. 
I pipe up. <laughs> God, my only moment uh, right. with Dave Grohl. I'd pipe up going, is it really? <laughs> I'm, he goes like, yeah, man, like soothes the throat. It's really good. I'm like, alcohol, is it really good for your throat? Oh, I'm, I'm persisting. I'm right. persisting to yeah. tell Dave Grohl that he shouldn't be drinking because it might not be very good for his voice. Dr. Drew over there. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Ethan swoops in with a can and goes, cheers, Dave. Cheers. So you. Cheers is in. And he goes, cheers. And I go, cheers, Dave. And we cheers bottles. I've still got the bottle. And you got the bottle. I've got the bottle. And I just slowly sink back into the crowd like away from Dave and I look at Ethan he's like are you all right mate I'm like no <laughs> I've, just, I've, I've just met my hero yeah and I fucked it up <laughs> and he was really nice but you and he was really nice it like you expected you him to be he didn't like there was nothing I should have said so many more things you got to parental him. on Dave Grohl yeah I tried to I tried to tell him not to like you should really look after your voice man like <laughs> You should really not be doing these things. Like, I'm going to fucking tell Dave Grohl what to do. Jesus Christ, James, what are you on about? And like, I was a bit arsy about it later on because Sam started to take the piss out of me. Right. And like, a lot of people started to take the piss. Like, you, oh, you fucked it up. Like, what are you doing? Did you get a bit of a complex about I, it? I was like, shut the fuck up, guys. <laughs> I'm talking about it. Like, I don't want to know. But now I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, now you've accepted it. I've accepted it. I've met Dave Grohl. I did some silly things, but... But surely that, that story is better than meeting Dave Grohl and being an arsehole or just looking straight through you. And just... There's so many yeah. different variations of that, of that meeting that could have happened. I didn't, I didn't want to be one of the people that go up to him and ask for a photo. And yeah. Just, Do you want to be his mate? You want to be you his mate? Be cool. yeah. You kind of want him to see you as like a dude. Yeah. And a good hang. And, and maybe like he'd come and hang out with you later when people were getting a bit like crazy about him. Yeah. But I don't feel, I think I'm, oh, clearly, I'm too much of, I'm overthinking too much to be able to give that, that vibe to him. <laughs> Whereas Sam, I reckon if we'd been, we'd hung around for later and Dave came off stage, I reckon he'd be chatting to Dave for years. Yeah. Just because he doesn't care as much. Yeah. Do you think Dave, <laughs> would gravitate towards that i think so yeah yeah that's that's my experience of people that have any sort of fame or celebrity mm. is that knowledge that you know who they are and what they do and that you might be um you might have respect for what what they do and uh, but don't treat then don't treat them any different mm. because then they're gonna ex they, they will expect you to go when you go oh are you so-and-so and they go yeah, and you go, oh, what's that? And then you go, you carry on. You say, yeah. oh, how's it been? Yeah. And you have a, I met Ben Elton once, you know, mm. the comic Ben mm. Elton. He was trying to get into the George car park down by the back of where I work. And he couldn't get the doors open. It was like the day after his yeah. first show in 20 years. And I was just like, how's the show last night then? <laughs> he was like, just looking around like, struggling with his door. Yeah, I was yeah. like, he was like, yeah, yeah, it was all right, thanks. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Just proper normal conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, right, I've got to go. Have a good one, mate. Nice to meet you. And I left. And it was appreciated. I think that's the way. And you do that with so many other people that you meet. And um, they like that. Yeah. And then you can 
then you can actually build a relationship with them if you know you're seeing them fairly regularly or you can yeah, bump yeah. into them again. Is it because they'll see you and they'll go, oh, this guy doesn't go straight up my ass. Definitely. But I don't think you could, you could never expect to try and create a relationship with someone that you... It's a fleeting thing, isn't it? Yeah. I guess that's probably why you overthought it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because if you but were I... opening up for Foo Fighters, you'd know you've got 10 dates mm. worth of... yeah potential FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you'd have been a bit more relaxed about it. But your head was going, this is the moment. This is the moment. I'll never get the this moment, moment again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Does that get to you when you're just about to drift off to sleep at night? Does <laughs> Do you know what? There's, voice that goes, there's, there's, that time you told Dave Grohl you shouldn't drink that. Yeah, you're good for you when I was Whenever I look at the bottle, the bottle's on my on my desk at home. Um it's really it's a uh I think it's a Beck's bottle and you know when you're nervous yeah. and you're just picking labels. There's no label left on that because the whole time I was holding this bottle, I was just shredding it like cat claws, <laughs> shredding this bottle to bits and there's a few little silver bits left on it. Um, but I get like, sometimes if I think back to things that I regret, I'll get like a little wincy feeling where I'll like jolt in my, in my body. It's the yeah. only like physical um reaction i get to like um a memory yeah um, so it's all like a tick a, yeah a little oh, bit maybe that's some deep-rooted stuff there, there's and there's, there's a few other times that i think about in my life where where i if i think about them i'll i'll get too deep into the thought and then i'll have to wince to snap myself out of it yeah and that's one of those times <laughs> i think we all have them though yeah i'm sure i've got a few I can't mm. think of them right now. If I, I wouldn't share them. If no. I, no, no, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, interesting. Tell me about this solo EP. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Um, something that I've always wanted to do. I've never... I've always just been a drummer. So I've... But I've also... What do you mean, just a drummer? Oh, yeah, I guess. Come on, man. Talking to another drummer. <laughs> drummer to another drummer. Who is drummer. just a drummer. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> but I've I'd started, like, learning other instruments throughout, like, since I was a teenager and stuff. But I've always been really, like, fascinated by songwriting and stuff like that. Not, I don't class myself as a songwriter. I don't class myself as anything like that. But it's always been something I really wanted to do. But in, I think being in London and we spoke about the confidence thing, it's just I've buried it a bit. Always written songs and written music and full arrangements, but never shown anybody. Since I've been back in Froome, um, I've, I guess I've just wanted to do it a lot more. And the guy I've been doing it with, Harry, has been, um, has been really like accommodating and very up for 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 exploring um for, for what what i wanted to do and we we hired out at the local theater the merlin theater and we recorded drums and um then we've just been doing the rest of it in in his in his bedroom and he's been producing it and so what's the direction what what is this this is because i've seen some of the videos of you drumming i've seen yeah. some uh phone footage of you laying down some takes it yeah. seems quite fast that well, it's typical is, that's James no, actually drumming. nothing to do with the ep oh really yeah that was like a a brief little it was like a tester session was it or? just we were just we were just 
just playing some drums and filming some stuff. Oh, okay. Um, the the stuff that I'm doing is a lot more like reserved. Right. I'd say there's the more exciting parts are in the other instruments. I think like there's big there's big um, guitar tones like and um, massive textures in choruses and stuff like that. And I think that's something that I've wanted to do because it's a because it's not so drum based yeah. and a lot of people it's not no one's going to be expecting me to do anyone no one is expecting me to release anything no one cares right. let's be honest no one no one actually gives a shit it's more something that i've wanted to do for ages well i think people people will give a shit i, I hope it's i hope that they don't give a shit because they don't know it's coming which yeah. is which is a great position to be in because you there's no pressure on you no one's expecting a particular genre. No but I've made expecting. I've made pressure in my own head. That's good about it. You're supposed to, aren't you? Yeah, That's I guess. How you get things done. But now, since since I've been recording it with Harry and getting all of the ideas and they're sounding like, like the vision is like what I've wanted it to sound like. It's a little bit. I've have a bit more confidence in it. Yeah. Um, we're tracking vocals soon, and that's terrifying because I've never done anything solo vocal before. And I've got to write lyrics and I've been writing lyrics and every time I write a lyric, I hate it. And every time I write a melody, I hate it. It's and the then sometimes curse, yeah, it, it depends like on the day. Sometimes I'll be like, yeah, this sounds brilliant. I'm yeah. into, definitely into this. And then other days I'm like, why did I write that? That's awful. But because I'm so new to it, I feel it's like it, when a lot of people say you've got your whole life to write your first album, first album or your first your first release, you have your whole life to write that. Mm. And I guess I'm, that is what I have now. Yeah. But I've left the vocals till as long, like as late as possible because I've just been putting it off. But that might be a good way of doing it because they're usually the, the, the cherry on the top, aren't they? Maybe. They're usually the last bit. Well, at least I hope, uh, Do you know what? I hope they bit. are, but, but they might not be. So <laughs> if this is out when, if it's out when this, this podcast sh- comes out, go and yeah, listen to it. It should be and, out, I think, by the time this ha- is out. And hate my vocals. <laughs> Thanks again to James Porter for joining me this week. If you want to see other things that James is up to, then we will leave you some links in the description show notes. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Follow me, Andy Rintmore, on Instagram at, at Andy underscore S1S. This podcast was produced by Harry Williams. And join us again, please, next week on The Giant Pod.